Now, I do welcome all of you tonight. Thank you for coming. It's really lovely to see you, and it's really lovely to see so many young people this evening. Uh, we're, we're especially blessed. Um, some folks from Carrick Fergus just coming in now. Good to see the Reverend uh, Stephen McRae and some of his young people. You're very, very welcome. Uh, and we do want to especially welcome as well um, members of the Mourn Youth Fellowship. Uh, they called in one Sunday afternoon on their way home from Larn. They thought rather than travel down to the kingdom of Mourn, which they look upon as God's country, they thought they would just stop in another wee place that's also part of God's country in Carrie Duff. And we were blessed by their presence and really encouraged because we didn't know they were coming. I got a phone call to say there's a bus sitting at the gate, a few people singing the night. And I was running through my mind and thinking to diary and no, no, I, I don't have any. So I rushed up, and it was uh, Brother Gordon Emery and the young people. We were really glad to see you, and you said that you would come back and sing for us at the mission. And we're just going to ask them now in the Lord's name. They're going to come and sing two pieces, and then they'll sing a little later uh, another piece. So uh, God bless you, young people, as you minister to us. Thank you.
splendid messages. Thank you so much. My heart's blessed. I just wanted to come down there and join in, even though I had the note in my head. The only tenor I know is the ones with the Queen's head on it, and, and the other notes I'm not too familiar with. Okay, yes, Dr. McCrae is going to sing a wee piece for us now. Thank you. You may have your worldly pleasures, your silver and your gold. You may fill up all your riches that this whole world can hold. But I'd rather have the Savior and with Him take my stand. I want to be ready to meet Him in glory land. Oh yes, I'm ready. By and by, praise God, I'm ready 
command Praise God, know I'm ready for glory land You may talk of all your riches Your diamonds and your pearls You can gain the wealth of ages Of this and all the worlds but the Savior is more precious, with Him I'll take my stand. Praise God, and oh, I'm ready for glory land. Oh yes, I'm ready to meet Him by and by. Praise the Lord, I'm ready, I'll meet Him in the sky. And I want to be more like Him, and to do His blessed command. I know that I'm ready for glory land. There's one thing I rejoice in, salvation from the fall. I'm an heir to wealth and glory, my father owns it all. That is why I'm always singing, I'll go at his command. Praise God, and oh, I'm ready for glory land. Oh yes, I'm ready, I'll meet him by and by. Praise the Lord, I'm ready, I'll meet him in the sky. And I want to be more like him, and to his blessed command. Praise God, I'm ready for glory land. Always care. 
in a life of wasted years. Wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. And you
your behalf, we do want to thank our brother Gordon Emery and the more young people for coming tonight and ministering to us in song. We've been truly blessed. Thank you so much. And I will be in touch with your minister just to tell him how well you have sung here tonight. Um, I'm just thinking of supper, and there's supper for everyone afterwards that would like to stay. And the young people are thinking of sausages already. And uh, singing, think of singing for your supper. Uh, and there is supper for all who would like to stay. Uh, we don't take any offering up uh, during the weeknights of the mission. There's a basket at the door if you do want to help to defray expenses. And I'm sure the treasurer will be happy that I plug that a little bit. Um, but do remember then on the Lord's Day there will be a, a retiring offering in the afternoon. Or, or an offering lifted up during the service uh, rather than a t retiring offering. We're going to sing just two verses of a hymn. I'm changing this hymn. We're going to turn to the hymn 269 and we'll sing uh, the first and the last verse of 269. I've wandered far away from God, now I'm coming home. 269, we'll sing the first and the last verse and then Dr. McRae will come and preach God's word. They're singing really well now. Stand as we sing. told you about my daughter going off to Miami and I'm looking forward as a father to hearing those words coming home and that will be a joy and delight to my heart but you think about God tonight and you telling God that you're coming home to him it must be thrilling for the heart of the Lord God bless let's open our Bibles tonight in the book of Luke's gospel chapter 15 and can I join with uh, brother McLaughlin saying what a wonderful privilege 
It was and a joy to listen to the young people from Morn as you were singing. It certainly was a blessing to my own heart, and I pray that God will bless you as you seek to serve him in ministry and song. Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, will commence at verse number 11. And let's follow the reading of God's precious and God's holy word. The Lord Jesus is speaking here. Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. And he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, his younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We end our reading there and we'll just have a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads, keeping our Bibles open. Heavenly Father, we bow before thee tonight in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. We thank thee for this word that thou hast given to us this evening. I pray that by thy Holy Spirit that thou wilt take this word and write it upon every one of our hearts. Realize, our God, our Father, this is a story that thy lovely son told when he was here upon this earth. And, O oh God, I pray that we might listen to what Jesus had to say. And, O oh God, we pray that we not only hear with our ears, but, O oh God, may we hear with our hearts and our understanding. And may this night, may we do as this boy did, come home. Amen. We pray in Jesus' precious name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Charles Dickens said that this is the greatest story that has ever been written. The story of what we know as the prodigal son. And yet when we turn to this, I suppose one of the most well-known illustrations that Jesus Christ ever spoke when he was in, here upon this earth, he was challenging the Pharisees and the scribes that were murmuring against him because he was eating with publicans and sinners or the tax collectors and the, the sinners of that day. We call it the story of the prodigal son. The word prodigal simply means wasteful. And yet that is only part of the story. 
You see, there are three people in the story. First of all, there's a father. And then there are two boys. I suggest to you there were two prodigals, the prodigal who went into the far country and the prodigal who stayed at home. We're not going to spend time on that prodigal, but I trust that you'll study that carefully. Because there's a boy that stayed at home, but he hadn't loved for his father either. He was certainly there. He was just as, as it were, he was religious, and yet, like those who are religious, and yet they are lost too, just as a sinner is. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he was standing there, and there were those that were known as the publicans or the sinners, and the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they, they frowned upon them because they were looked as, as the outcasts. They were looked upon as the sinners. And it's true, they were lost. But you see, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were religious. But they were lost. Now, I know that some people take this story of the prodigal son, and you can use it profitably, concerning those that have wandered away from the Lord and those that are backslidden. But I want to tell you the context of the story that the Lord Jesus Christ is giving here, or rather there were three. There was a lost silver, there was a lost sheep, and there was a lost son. But I want you to notice the emphasis upon those three parables was lost. And so therefore we see here the picture of those that are lost. Now here we find the story of a family. You can just imagine there's no mention of the mother in the story. It is very possible that mother died at the birth of the second child. I'm not told of that, but certainly mother's not there. The story is told about a father and two boys. There was the elder boy and there was also the younger son. The sad thing about this family is this, that whilst there's a picture of a father who's filled with love for his sons, he loved both his boys, but the sad reality is the boys didn't love him because they had their own path and they were thinking only about themselves. And it's a sad relationship here because here we have a home and there's not much of a relationship between father and sons. And yet here's a father that has given everything he can to his boys and has worked for his boys and yet they haven't returned that love that the father has for them. I want us to dwell upon this boy that went to the far country. Look in verse number 12 of this chapter, it says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Here is, first of all, the solemn demand. One day this younger son, he came unto his father, and he confronted his father with these words, Father, give me. Give me. In other words, it was a demand that he was giving to his father. He says, Father, you give me the, the, the portion of goods that falleth to me. Now, what we see about this boy was this, that somehow this boy's heart was not with his father anymore. There was a discontentment. There was a rebellion in the heart of this boy. And whilst the father has done everything he can for the son, friend, nothing that the father does for this boy anymore satisfies this boy. There's a hankering in his heart to get away from home. 
And the sad reality is this. We can paint this picture over and over again in families across this land, friend, because we have sons. And my friend, their, their hearts, there comes a time that there's rebellion enters into their hearts and nothing what's done for them satisfies anymore. They somehow feel that out there there's a better life. And it's away from home. And so this boy comes into his father because I can tell, notice the words. He says, Father, give me. And friend, that's the substance of the story. It's all about me. It's all about this boy. You see, this boy, the devil has created in his heart a dissatisfaction. And all he wants to do is to live for me. To live for me. He doesn't think about his father anymore. You see, as far as this boy is concerned, the priority of his life was nothing, was no one else. It was simply about himself. And so he turns to his father and he says, Father, you give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Now, it is true that in this Jewish family, that whenever the father would die, there would be a portion of goods that would come to this boy. It is true that as far as this boy was concerned, or rather the two boys were concerned, the eldest son would get the double portion and the younger son would get the single portion. And so therefore it would be divided in three, but the elder boy would, the older boy would get double portion. And so he places this demand. He didn't care how his father felt. You see, this was a cruel demand. It was always about him. In actual fact, listen, the only time that he had a right to this was his father died. And really what he was saying to his father was this, Father, I wish you were dead because I can't wait on what I'm getting. I want it now. And if you don't die, I want you to give it to me now. And he makes a demand, give me. We live in an age of the give me's. You know, everybody knows their rights today. Nobody thinks about their responsibilities. That's the curse of Ulster today. That everybody has rights, but nobody has any responsibilities anymore. And here was a boy. He wasn't wanting responsibility. He didn't care about accountability. All he cared about was me. Me. And he did not see his father in the story any longer. Father, you're living too long. I can't wait. I can't wait anymore. And I want you to give me. It was a cruel demand for it. It was a cheeky demand. Because he was demanding it now. He was demanding it right now. And he said, Father, give me. You know what the Bible says? The Father divided unto them his living. You know, some people look at the father and they say, well, why did the father do that? Why did the father not turn to the boy and say, son, if you're leaving home, you're not leaving home, you're pocket full with my living. Why did the father give it to him? I'll tell you, friend. There comes a time when people will not learn only the hard way. And I believe that here's a father 
And some people suggest that he was too lenient. He should have rebuked him. It doesn't tell us the father rebuked his son. It doesn't say the father was angry with his son. But the Bible tells us the father divided. He gave his son. And you know, friend, let me tell you this. Sometimes God, too, gives the sinner what he desires. God says, you want your sin? Take it. You read the book of Romans, and the Bible says, and God give them up. And the word of God says also in that chapter, and God give them over. And here's a person that's dissatisfied with his father. He can't bear being at home. He can't bear the restrictions anymore. He feels that somehow his father's hemming him in. He's better out there in the far country. He demands of his father, and he doesn't care. He says, Father, give me. Sometimes God also knows that the spoiled heart can only be cured by better experience. Sometimes it takes a person to learn better experience. And here we find the Father give him. He give him. Now notice what happens secondly. Here's this distraught departure. It says, and not many days after, verse 13, after the younger son gathered all together and he took his journey into the far country. You see, dad wasn't in his plans. Here's a boy said, I have plans, you know, but dad, you're not in them. And the family's not in them. Just me. And whenever, friend, he got what the father gave him, he got the third of the father's estate and he took everything the father gave him. And whenever his pocket was full, he didn't stay long. It says, not many days after, he gathered all together. He hit the road. You see, he couldn't go. He couldn't hit the road until his pockets were full. He didn't want to go on nothing. Oh, yes, he wanted the blessings, all right, of what the Father got to give him. And that's like the sinner today. They want God to give them life. They want God to give them breath, but they don't want God. They don't want God. They want God's life, and they want God's breath, and they want God's favor, favor, and giving them healthy body. Not God. Is there someone like that here tonight? And you don't want God. Yes, you do want all the, the, the blessings that God gives you of health and strength. And here's a boy, and whenever he got his pockets full, friend, it was just full steam ahead to the far country. You know what that meant? As far away as he could get. Oh, he wasn't going to go just a little away from home. No, no, because you see, father might hear about it or father might see it. No, he wanted to get as far away from his father as he could get, friend, because there would be no restrictions. Father's eye wouldn't be upon him. And is it not true that we live in a day and generation that many young people, whenever maybe they're brought up in a good and godly home, but boy, the old devil tells them, you know, there's a lot of fun out there. And there are a lot of pleasures out there. But you see, 
if you stay at home, you'll, you'll be under the restrictions of father or mother. You're far better to get away. And then you can float your own boat. And you can live life as you want to live it. Friend, you can, but remember this. There's always a price for sin. There's always a price to be paid. But nobody could tell this boy. Because you see, before he ever went into the far country, his heart was already in the far country. Maybe there's someone here tonight, and that's where your heart is. I think of so many young people that have been brought up in our churches and come through our Sunday school. And friend, they couldn't wait until the Sunday school days were over, until they got away from home, and they're not in our churches anymore. And they haven't a thought about God. They haven't a care. Tell me who they're living for. I'll tell you. Self. And sin. Oh, there's a God in their hearts. It's themselves. It's me. They're living for me. And here was a boy. He says, Father, give me. He wanted a lifestyle of his own. Live the way he wanted to live. As the book of Judges says, every man did that which is right in his own eye. And so the boy gathers everything together. He doesn't care about the hurt of the father. I'm sure that father stood heartbroken that day when he watched his boy walk down that dusty pathway. But I tell you, the boy never looked back. He couldn't wait until he got into that far country. No longer under my father's watchful eye. No longer the restrictions of home. I'm just going to live for me. And he did. And he did. How did he live it, friend? Let's see what the Bible says. Look at verse number verse uh, 13 again. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into the far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Here's his sinful desires. Riotous living means a life totally given over to sin and evil. And so he leaves behind all the restrictions to gratify his every whim and his every desire to have a good time. How he did it? It says here, with riotous living. But the word of God says he wasted. He wasted his substance. And that's what a young lad or lassie's doing, friend, for living for the devil. They're wasting a precious life. You see, you have only one life. And it will soon be passed. You don't get another run at this. There's only one journey, friend, that you're on. You've just got one life. 
And the old devil says to you, listen, but my live it up. My live it up for yourself. And the word of God says, here's a young lad, and he wasted his substance. And the word wasted means to scatter abroad, to squander. He scattered abroad everything the Father gave him with riotous living. You know what that included? That included not only wine, the wines of the world, friend, but it included woman, evil woman. Because if you go on down that passage of God's word, in verse number 30 it says this, but as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots. That's how he lived his life. You see, when your pocket's full, you'll have plenty of friends. And here's a young lad, and he heads off to the far country. And my, I'll tell you this, he wasn't long in the far country. He was able to stand there in the worldly places. And my, the people gathered round him, just like clegs on a cow's back. And they just gathered round him. Oh, there were plenty of women because he had plenty to give. And there's plenty of wine. That's what the world has got to offer, the pleasures of the world. And the Holy Spirit of God says this, he wasted his substance. And that's what you're doing, young person, without Christ tonight. You're wasting your life. Remember some years ago, I was ill and I was, before I was married and I was staying at this house and a dear lady who had come to our services came to see me. I was lying there in the bed of sickness and the elder lady came down and she sat down beside my bed and we talked together and as I talked together, we talked about the things of God and I knew God was speaking to her heart. And all of a sudden, she fell on her knees at the side of the bed. And she says, Mr. McCray, lead me to Jesus. I had the joy of leading that woman to Christ that night, lying in a sick bed. After we had led her to Christ, and I was giving her promises from the Word of God, she began to cry. I said to her, what's wrong, dear? Have you doubts that God hasn't saved you? No, she said. She says, you know, my husband died and left me with a family, a big family. And my husband died without Jesus. And I didn't know to tell him that he needed to be saved. And he's now in God's eternity. She said, I had a daughter, a teenage daughter, and she took a tumor in the brain. She says, I was sat beside my daughter and I watched her die. But I didn't know to tell her she needed Jesus. She died without Jesus. She said, I just, I shed my tears 
preacher tonight because I realized I've lived wasted years without Christ. And friend, that's what you're doing tonight. Oh, the world may paint it differently. Have a light, tell you this. The world will put plenty of tinsel out there. There'll be plenty of lovely lights there. My, the devil will make it look good. My, whenever you see the, the pictures and the television, and my, they're sitting there in the bar, and you hear the tinkle of the glasses, and you hear the laughter, and you hear the song, and my, the flowing of the wine, it all looks good. It doesn't show you the heartache and the heartbreak that it brings. The broken homes and broken hearts. It doesn't show you the pictures of mangled bodies along the road that the curse of the booze has brought. Oh no. It puts a lovely picture up there. It attracts the eye, and the young person says, That's for me. That's where I need to be. The pleasures of the world. And there are pleasures in the world, friend but they're only for a season. And here's a boy, and his pocket's full, and he goes out into the world, and he wastes his life with harlots and the pleasures of the world. And the Holy Ghost said, he wasted it. But it's what he desired. That's what he longed after. Because you see, the world promised him joy and happiness out there. Out there in that far country, that's where the grass is greener. My, it's lovely out there. The grass is so plush. There's so much happiness there. That's the place for me to get. And he couldn't wait to get there. And when his pockets were full, he made it. But you better read verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. His silver's depleted now. He's going to learn a hard lesson. And let me tell you, the world will teach you a hard lesson. The world will teach you a hard lesson, for sin's a hard taskmaster. Notice it says here, there was a mighty famine in the land. Who sent the famine, friend? God did. And you might think that you can take God on, friend, but I want to warn you, don't be a fool. For you're not big enough for God. I remember us holding a, a meeting one night and I came back and there was a mad, what they called the Mad May Festival in Macrofelton. M-A-D was Macrofelton District Festival. And I came back to the town and we're putting up stalls in the center of the town. And our young people were putting up a stall, or putting up a Bible stall and with gospel tracts. When I came back to the town, it was nearly about half eleven, near twelve o'clock, and I w went to make my way to where the young people were, and young people gathered round me and said, Mr. McRae, you know, there's a boy came out of that pub from Mary's pub there, and he started to mock God. 
He came over to us and he said, well, what are you putting up? And we told him we're putting up Bibles and he laughed at us. See, you're only fools. See, there is no God. And then he lifted his fist to heaven like that there and he says, listen, God, if you're there, strike me dead now. Then he laughed. He says, where's God? The young people were broken whenever they said, they said, Mr. McCray, why didn't God strike him? I says, I'll tell you why. Because God's word says that he's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. If God had struck that man dead that moment, friend, he'd be in hell. And God in mercy spurred him. But I'm giving a warning to you young people tonight and to older people. You're not too big for God, friend. Don't defy him. Because remember, God will have the last say. The dead, small and great, stand before God. And so will you. And I'll tell you, you'll answer. You see this life that God has given you? You'll give an account to God. Only one life will soon be passed. Tell me, what are you doing with it? You see, when the famine came, you see, God sent the famine because this lad had to be taught a lesson. And God in love... God in love sent a famine. You notice what happened here. The famine came when he had spent all. He had nothing more. In other words, it couldn't have happened at a worse time. His pockets were empty. But you notice where it happened. It happened in that far land. Do you remember when he was sitting at home? What was that land? It was the land of plenty. It was the land of fun. It was the land to be. My, there was pleasures out there. Nothing could go wrong. My, this old place with Father, this is not good enough. I want to get out there. That's the place to be. And that's what the devil says to young people today. Go out into the pubs and the clubs and the dance halls and the picture houses and the places of the world. That's the place to be. Don't be a fuddy-duddy. Go out and enjoy yourself. Here's a lad when he did it, friend. It promised him happiness. It promised him liberty. It promised him satisfaction. It promised him all his heart desired. And what did he get? A famine. And now he's sitting there a mighty famine and the lad's broken but you notice what he does quickly it says this verse 15 and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country no no 
nobody's going to break me. They're not going to break me. And the lad, listen, he joined himself. In other words, he glued. That word means glued himself. He cemented himself. This meant his slavery. He was going to be a slave. Here was a boy that sat at the father's table. Here was a boy that sat with plenty. And now he's sitting as a slave. A Jewish boy. No man gave on to him. In actual fact, his master mocked him. Do you know what he did? He sent him to feed swine. And that was the biggest shame. The biggest insult that that master could have given to him. He was degrading the Jewish boy. But rather than break. Defiant. I defy them. Nobody's going to break me. I'm going to live it my way. And he joined himself to a citizen of the far country. And he made him to feed the swine. But friend, let me tell you, it got that bad that the boy reached out and he fought with the pigs to get the food. For the food that the swine ate. He yearned for it. It says 16. He fain would have filled his belly. In other words, he would be happy to fill his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. What a tragedy. You see, sin will take you further than you ever want to go. See, if anybody had told that boy he'd been sitting at a swine truck, reaching out his hand for pig's food, he'd laughed at them. Not me. Oh, others may be fools. <laughs> others may have to do it, but not me. Not me. My pockets are full. But there he is. Sitting at the swine trough. And then something happened. As he sat there at that swine trough, For the first time in years, he thought of home. He thought of father. How many hard servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. The Bible says he came to himself. What a fool. What a fool I'd be. And that's what the devil will make you, friend. The devil will make you a fool. His fool. He'll promise you everything. 
And now the boy's sitting with nothing. Some years ago when I went to record the first time in Nashville, I'd finished the recording studios and singing the pieces and in a couple of days I was going home. So I decided for the last couple of days I would go down into the town of Nashville and uh, see the place, what it was like. As I was walking down the town of Nashville, I I prayed that God would give me some to speak to someone. I wanted to talk to someone about the Lord. I'd been in the studios and hadn't got talking to anybody. And therefore, I wanted to speak to some folks about the Lord. And I was walking down the street. I could take you to the spot. I was walking down the street. And as I was walking down the street and I was praying, I said, Lord, please give me, give me someone to speak. And all of a sudden, a person spoke, sitting on a step along the street side. And he says to me, a drunk. He says, are you a Christian? I says, I am. He says to me, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He started to quote some of the Bible verses, and there he was sitting, friend, in an old, dirty, stinking coat. A wee dog sitting by his side. That was his only friend. I said, uh, you seem to know the verses, sir. And then I noticed that amidst the old slabbers that were running down his cheek, I noticed the tears running down his eye, from his eyes that mingled. He started to cry. He said to me, I used to be a pastor in this town. And he says, I got into sin. And this is where the devil has left me. I sat and I talked to him. I said, sir, where do you live? He says, I live in the down and out's home up the street. She says, my wife and my family disowned me. And I haven't a friend. Just my wee dog. See, that day he stepped out of his sin, friend. The devil didn't promise that he'd take him there as a down and out. He promised him happiness. He promised him pleasure. He promised him fun. But sin will keep you longer. Then you want to stay and sin will cost you far more than ever you want to pay. Service is over in a few moments, friend. Listen, the boy sitting there, he says, I'll arise and go to my father. See, he had nowhere else to go. Nobody else wanted him. And he thought of his father, and he thought of his father, 
and the servants of his father had bread enough to spare, and there he was perishing with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father. And friend, he did. He got up, and he made his way to his father. And when he was a great way off, his father saw him. The boy didn't run to his father. The father ran to the boy. There's a father's love for a wayward son. I want to tell you tonight, God loves you. And I'll tell you how much he loved you. He gave his darling son and he sent him from heaven's glory because there was no other way you could get to heaven. There's no other way you could get saved. There was no other way you could be ready for God's eternity. And God gave his darling son and he sent him from heaven's glory down into the sin-cursing of time to die upon a cross of Calvary and shed his precious blood and bear the load of your sin that you might be forgiven, that you might not perish. Here's a boy and he says, I perish. Tell me, do you realize, Senator, that that's exactly what you are tonight? You're perishing in your sin. The devil's taking you down. The devil has one plan for you. The devil wants to damn you. The devil wants to destroy your soul. The devil wants you to perish in a Christless eternity. But God has provided a remedy. And the Son. You see, the wages of sin was death. And Jesus Christ says, Father, I'll die that they might live. I'll pay the penalty of sin. I'll meet the demands of divine justice and I'll bear it. And there upon the cross of Calvary, he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And thank God through his stripes, you and I can be healed. Your sin can be forgiven and your soul can be saved. I have no doubt the devil said to that boy, there's no use you going home for Father never have you. You're a disgrace. But they had nowhere else to go. Where else can he go? And there was a draw. There was a draw in that boy's heart. The only place I can go is home. And I pray the Spirit of God will draw you, sinner, tonight and show you the only place you can come to is to Jesus. For God loves you and is willing to save you. And the father ran. The father fell on his neck. Says the father saw him a great way off. You know what that tells me? Every day that father was looking for son. Every night before he put his head on the pillow, 
He'd look down that dusty pathway. He said, maybe tonight my wayward son will come home. Oh God, let him know I love him. Let him know I care. And he came home. And the father fell on his neck and he kissed him. That means he rained kisses upon him. He kissed him again and again and again. He said, I love you. I love you. Oh, that you and I could understand tonight the love of God for sinners. For he loved me and he gave himself for me. Let me ask you a question to finish. What will you do with the love of God tonight? Will you stay in the far country in your rebellion? Will you do as that boy did first of all? Nobody will break me. I'll join myself. I'll join myself to that citizen of the far country. In other words, I'll go into sin like I never went before. And find out, friend, that sin, when it is finished, will bring forth death. Thank God there's a God of mercy and there's a God of love and a God of compassion. The boy said, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me your servant. The father says, get the best robe. Put it on. Exchange his old stinking garments for the best robe. He says, get the ring, the ring of sonship, relationship. Son, put it in your finger. Just bring the shoes. Because slaves didn't wear shoes. But sons did. You see, God gives you a proper standing as a son of God. And then he said, kill the fatted cow. For thus my son was dead. But he's alive again. He's lost. But thank God he's found. Are you coming home tonight? Backslider, the father loves you still. Come on home. Get back to him. Sinner. God's waiting. A God ready to pardon. May you say, O Lamb of God, I come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray that by thy Holy Spirit that thou will write thy word upon the hearts of those that are gathered here.
Maybe there's someone tonight, I'm looking back over their lives to say, I've wasted, I've wasted many precious years. Now I'm coming home. I now repent with bitter tears. Lord, I'm coming home. Is there someone in this gathering tonight? Ah, yes, the devil tells you the world has so much to offer but doesn't tell you the end of the story, friend. For after a life of sin, it's hell forever. A Christless hell. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come as a one tonight. Will you admit as the prodigal did, I perish? But tonight I'm coming home. I'm coming to my heavenly Father. I'm coming. Now, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I beg you in God's name in the stillness and quietness of the meeting and thank you for your patience. But don't let this moment pass, friend. without getting right with God. The boy says, I will arise. And he arose and came. Maybe you're almost persuaded tonight. The devil says, another night. Some other time. And God says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. When there's someone in the stillness of this meeting, his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Say, preacher, I'm not right with God. I'm not saved, but I want to be. Maybe there's someone backslidden. You say, God has spoken to me tonight and I've got to get back. Preacher, would you lead me? Lead me to the Lord. Would you indicate that desire right now? His heads are bowed and eyes are closed, friend. God's people are praying. If that's the desire of your heart, preacher, lead me to Christ. Would you just lift that hand above your head that I'll see it? Enter in this gathering. You mean business with God tonight? You're coming to Christ. As a sinner or backslider but you're coming tonight. We're here to help you, Brother McLaughlin and myself. There's a little room out there in the hallway. Please let us know your desire. But do not go away without the Lord. Heavenly Father, bless your word. Bless our time of fellowship around a cup of tea, but most of all, grant that souls will be saved. Those that are backslidden will be restored. For Jesus' sake.
Amen. Amen. Thank you tonight for listening to God's word. But anxious soul, do not leave without the Lord. I beg you in God's name. It's too serious. It's too solemn. It's Christ you need. He's the only answer. May God bless his word to your heart.